This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Men Talk on Plains FM 96.9, a playful search for understanding and appreciation of men. I'm Ian Ferguson, coordinator of International Men's Day in New Zealand. Today I'm joined with Shane. Oh no, I just realised I, I, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I was like, I wonder how he's going to say it. Uh, how, how, how were you going to say it? I was probably going to go with something like Jeffries, but... That doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, so that's pretty close, and we do get a whole lot of different ways of, of people pronouncing it, but the correct pronunciation is Jafiz. Ah, right. I, th- I thought it might be something like that. All right, um, why don't we just make that the introduction? <laughs> <laughs> Me telling you how to pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like to have a um, a relaxed feeling to the to the yeah. show, you know, it's not, we're not, we're not here to be professional, we, we're, we're a little bit warts and all. Sounds good. So, um, Shane, perhaps you could just tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm up here in, in Hawke's Bay and I've uh, been working in um, sort of community, uh, having a community presence, I suppose, and working in the community for about the last um, seven or eight years. Um, my background is actually as a professional photographer, so that's what my trade is. But um, through opportunities to be able to um, work with some community service here, services here in Hawke's Bay, I started to look and see how I could get involved and what, um, what I could bring to being able to support, um, obviously, men. And my primary focus um, is also on supporting dads as well and their families. So, um, yeah, I've been working in that field now for about that amount of time, six or seven years, I think, working with dads. And obviously through that um, that work, I got to meet Donald at the Canterbury Men's Centre as well. So that's, uh, you know, that's, that's been a whole, a whole journey in itself, which has been really cool. What kind of stuff do you do with dads? So my first... Uh, introduction into well, I've seen my dad myself, so that was my first introduction. Um, I have two. I have two sons. Um, one is just turned seventeen, and one is just turned uh, twenty-four. Um, and my partner and myself, um, Kath, we've been um, together since we were very young, so seventeen and eighteen year olds when we met, and obviously. Um, yeah, we have, two, we have two boys, which is really cool. Um, so working with dads, I um, ended up, my wife was um, working for Plunkett in Hawke's Bay as a community, um, in the community side, and they wanted to have a bit of a, a dads group um, starting up. So they asked me through through my um, through my wife if I would be keen to come on board and volunteer. So I volunteered with Plunkett um, for a few months and then they gave me a paid role. So that was my first introduction and that was um, just a part-time role, but setting up from, from scratch, basically, there was absolutely nothing in Hawke's Bay um, in the way of supporting um, dads in any context at all. So Plunkett were at that stage starting to get involved in that throughout the country. So I got to connect with some really cool 
um, guys working in that space um, for Plunkett um, throughout the country as well, which is really neat. So, yeah, that was my first introduction, obviously, to working alongside and supporting dads with um, with newborns, young children as well, so pre-five-year-olds. Um, and then from that, I um, had a dad in particular who... Um, was going through a separation and of course I had never experienced that myself so it was quite new to me um, and Plunkett that wasn't really where that wasn't the area of support so I looked a little bit um, further afield to see where we could offer some support to this um, to this young dad with a very young baby and uh, yeah, that was my introduction really into seeing what was available around the country, um, what support was in place for men and their families and dads, and to see if we could bring um, in some way some support networks to, to Hawke's Bay, which was basically really, really limited, if, if anything at all. What does the support for dads uh, look like? Is it like a, a, do dads get together like once a week or once a month or, or something, or, or what's the actual... What do you actually do? So we're actually um, starting to um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're starting. We're starting again. Basically, that's what I would say. I mean, what I was doing with dads um, pretty much finished a year ago. Um, we had worked alongside another organisation in New Zealand, and they were supporting dads through um, through separation. Um, and some of what they were doing, we, we brought to Hawke's Bay. But the idea was for me not to be the main driver of that because I think when you set up any group you want that group um, to be able to be organic so you've got people coming in and out of it you hopefully can identify um, a group of, of guys that want to um, you know want to want to see it flourish and continue and then they will take that on and, and I was quite happy to um, to oversee it but we basically couldn't find anybody to step forward into, into wanting to do that and knowing that um, the organisation was available to support guys going through separation nationally, um, I knew that there was still some support in place for that. So that group, because really it was reliant on um, on my input constantly, um, that group ended up, um, ended up stopping, basically. So my support um, for dads just continued in a more... Um, casual role so we continued our Facebook page a lot of our um, inquiries in that for um, both mums and dads um, would come through our social media pages basically so a lot of that was in context to um, quite often to parenting um, young children um, and around relationships as well so as far as um, the support for dads it was very much an online presence and we would navigate so depending on what the um what he was looking for um we would navigate him into a service or for some help um within Hawke's Bay basically so that we became the the place to come to we'd find out what their needs were and then through our own connections um we would be able to navigate them to the to the right the right person to, to be able to get that support that they needed so so you're you're kind of like a uh, a broker <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess, um, except I'm not doing any hard sells, so um, it's, yeah, but yeah, a broker, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. And so through that, you sort of thought of setting up a men's centre? Yeah, so this has come about, I mean, obviously, um, my friendship with Donald at Canterbury Men's Centre has been over five or six years, you know, off and on. 
text message every now and again. I'd check and see how he's doing. I'd see his name come up on something, you know, um, actively following what's going on around the country. So seeing, you know, things like International Men's Day coming to um, coming to become something in the country, which is which has been really cool. Um, you know, things like that. So I think that's the power of social media. Is that you know, if you're tapped into wanting to know what's going on around the country, it's it's easy to be able to keep your finger on the pulse. And Hawke's Bay is quite isolated in a lot of areas is one of the things why we want to be able to set something up for for guys because we just don't have that presence here in, in Hawke's Bay. Um, so back to your question about the, the men's centre, um, Donald came to me and said, oh, have you considered there's, there's some opportunities to get involved and, and do something around men's wellness? Would you look at it? And we have had the charitable trust, which is how we're structured. Um, and he helped us with an application, which was really cool, to um, to lotteries. And um, we sort of said, OK, well, let's see where it goes to. And we, we got some of what we had requested from them, but um, enough to be able to get us on the road to be able to start to look at how we could want to create something. And... The, the first step of that is to do a reprint of um, the Blokes book, um, which is obviously a Canterbury Men's Centre initiative. And we did our first one again with Donald's support in 2019 um, and circulated 10,000 copies of the Blokes book throughout Hawke's Bay, which they were gobbled up really, really quick. And basically, once we were coming into um, to COVID, we started getting calls from services that we hadn't heard of, that had known that we had done it, but not been in touch with us, wanting copies of these to, to be able to hand out. Um, and also um, workplaces, large organisations, um, wanting copies of them. So that, that was really cool. So what we saw through that was that there was a need. So yeah. it was how could we meet this need now and really step into the space that we have been um tentatively working in for the last few years, but actually say, hey, we're really focused on making this happen for Hawke's Bay men. Um, and, you know, with having Donald there beside us that, as a mentor has been um, has been really, really good. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of the... We're at the starting stages now of wanting to develop something. And this time the bloke's book is going to be a lead-in to um, what we see for Hawke's Bay. Um, so we'll have a lot more information about what we, um, as a charitable trust, in supporting men um, in Hawke's Bay, where we want to go with, with this in the future. Whereas the last print run we did for the Blokes Book was really just a, a directory. Um, so it was more a directory, um, same as what Canterbury has got. But knowing how, um, you know, how popular it was, we now see that that's a great vehicle to be able to actually share a story, really, and say, hey, this is what we know this much, and this is what we'd like to do. So use the bloke's book as actually that vehicle to get this, that um, that vision out there into the community, basically. Yeah. Yep, so ra rather than just being kind of like a, a, a directory of surfaces for men, you are um, using it for kind of a, your own promotion or at least promotion of the idea of, of a men's centre. That's right. So I think that one of the skill that we can bring to this is actually looking at what what do guys need? Do guys actually have time to 
um, physically make a time to come in and sit one-on-one with somebody. We know the value in that, but do we need to be providing that service here in Hawke's Bay? I think it was one of the questions that you put to me prior, you know, what is already being met? Um, where do we fill a gap, basically, from men supporting men? Um, you know, we're also wanting to look at an online platform. You know, I think COVID opened that way and, and still is worldwide for us to be able to connect in ways that we haven't been able to do before. You know, even like we're doing now, you know, it's become, it may have, may have been foreign for people before that went in this sort of space. But now, you know, jumping on a Zoom call, it's like, well, we don't need to have business meetings that we need to drive the other side of, of the city to and sit in a, a room for three or four hours. You know, we can cut that time down but still connect online. I know for myself that um, when I've tried to engage in, like, like mental health support, it's never quite fit properly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, it's like we we can offer you this, and I or you know, or I could go somewhere else to get that. But um, it's it's been difficult to find something that um, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like that works for me, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And so there's 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 a lot of options out there that kind of half work. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of good enough, but it could be better. Mm. Yeah, and I think that um, you know, the, as I said, the very first instigator for me getting involved was that um, the um, the dad that I'd met turning me turning to me and saying, "There is nowhere that I can get help." He said, "I've been I've gone to several um, social services agencies that support families, and they have told me to go." to our local family violence um, educator, basically, have, have I been there? They'll, they'll help. And I thought, so basically what they're saying is because you're a man, you have to go for support for what you're going through in your relationship. Um, to go, you, you need to go and enroll on an anger management course, basically is what they're saying. And I just thought that was so wrong because what message... What, what were they, what's that message that he was taking from that? You know, so I really went um, out to bat for him and advocated um, that we needed to support this, this guy better. And I was really wrapped over the knuckles from Plunkett for doing that, basically. Um, it caused a whole lot of um, unease because I just, I just saw it and I knew that there was nothing here and basically... They had the resources. Okay, what can we provide for him? And it was like, well, that's not what your role is, and that's not what our role is. Mm. Well, so what I just said to him, sorry, we can't do anything for you. You know, so that was then me getting online and finding out what was available, um, be it was that the best that was available for him? That was all that there was available for him. So that was why we, um, you know, that started the journey, basically. But just coming back to what you were saying about, um, you know, um, guys accessing services and how that might look for them. Um, I did another stint at a um, social services for six months, filling in in a marketing role, and I um, I was working for Plunkett at that stage. And I really got to observe um, behind the scenes and also observe that when a guy came in for um, an appointment to see a counsellor or whatever it might have been, um, how that looked as to how that initial walking into that space was for him and knowing that 
he was probably in a day may have been the only guy walking into that space. Um, you know, so one percent basically of clients through the day would have been male. Um, and knowing that, that really, what else was there for him? You know, um, so yeah, this has really opened up a whole awareness around um, around support. But of course, when I said we're surveying and getting feedback, that's not that easy, <laughs> as you would know. I was going to say that um, I I think men don't really um, and understand what they need exactly a lot of the time. No. So when you ask them, what you know, what what do you need? And they'll go, uh, I, I don't know. We had a guy on the show who had done research into how men get help. Um, and and this is exactly what you're saying. Um, they, they kind of need to have a, a crisis or at least get to the point where not doing anything is worse than doing something. You know, that, that kind of... Getting over that psychological hurdle um, is the lesser of two evils, which means it's got it's gotten bad enough for them to to do something. Yeah, that's right. And I think I mean you know if you were to say how how do we how can we achieve that, I think it's um, you know there's there's obviously a lot of ways to be able to say, hey, we'll, we'll try this, we'll try that. But again, it may or may not work. But I think that, um, I think making sure that we as men are connected in some level to be it a mentor or um, some other male in your life, and I know equally so for young, um, you know, for young men, for, for, our, for our youth, having a, a mentor that may be um, their, their teacher at school or their friend's um, dad or someone like that, so that when things do get to a point where you're struggling and don't quite know how to get through it, there is someone that you could turn to. And I think the beauty of having a men centre is that the guy who you're talking to can easily find out how to help you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a men's centre. Oh, there we go. That's easy. I'll just, yeah. you know. Um, whereas if it's here's a hundred different social services for all kinds of different things, I have no idea. The guy doesn't really know exactly what's wrong. It just, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so right. So having having a men's centre um, is basically a sign, you know, saying. We can help you. We're open for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and it just it makes that whole process um, of getting into that more professional kind of support easier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. You know, someone searches Hawke's Bay Men's Support, there it comes up, Men's Centre, Hawke's Bay Men's Centre. You know, so I think that's already sending a clear message out to anybody that may be looking for support for a, um, you know, for, for a man or a man, men themselves. Um, oh, hey, this is where I need to go. The last thing I want would be somebody coming to the men's centre and the men's centre's not open, you know. Um, and I know that, that that wouldn't happen because you would put things in place, but having a um, something that's, a, that's not open just nine to five. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of my little bugbears is um, men tend to work longer hours you know, and and so having something that's open nine to five is just not going to work for a whole bunch of men. Like if, if someone's putting in 50, 60 hours a week, then what chance do they have? Yeah, that's right. And we had um, quite a few dads. So when we were doing our dads group, basically, we averaged um, 
probably 15 to 16 guys of varying ages that would come along. And some of them brought their partners, a couple of them brought their mums, they were young guys that were going through some, some issues. Um, so that was, that was sort of what we were attracting. But some of the guys that we were, um, were, com- that were coming were because we had quite a, f- a high um, forestry industry here in Hawke's Bay, so they were working in forestry, logging. Well, they weren't finishing work till 5.30 and they were having to drive from, you know, two hours or whatever. But, hey, they, would, they still turned up. They turned up partway through the meeting, but the fact that they made the effort to get to the meeting was was really powerful. It sent a great message to us that we were doing something that they really valued. Um, so, you know, again, is that, was that adding extra stress to them to have to get from where they were to us? If they were able to come home, have a shower, have something to eat, then connect onto an online um, group, um, you know, is that also something that I think that a lot of guys would value more because I think that I know even for myself when I go to um, a, you know, a meeting or a, um, a, a group, business group for the first time, I just cringe because you sit in the circle and let's all go around and, and introduce each other. I'm like, you know, and, you know, you've got... I, I, I hear you. I hate that. And um, when I was teaching audio engineering, instead of having that awkward... New class turns up at the beginning of the year. Um, we sort of go through all the housekeeping and whatnot, and then we go down to the pub. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the place to be. <laughs> that was the that was the icebreaker, um, and you know, people got to meet each other in an informal setting rather than saying, "Okay, let's go around the circle and and, and tell everyone your name and some some little stupid thing about yourself." It's yeah, like, that's oh, right. Geez. Well, it's just adding further anxiety if you're already anxious about coming to a group, you know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we're exploring these these new ways of working because I think the um, what we have done up here in the past that was worked really 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 well was actually bringing um, groups together, so bringing dads together, um, bringing guys together. So with our group, um, you know, the, the group that we were running with dads, we would do a barbecue Saturday morning at the local ECE centre. You know, so the ECE centre loved that because that was actually yeah. showing their centre off to a group that may not be aware of who they were and what they did. So we used to roll the barbecue in there and the dads would turn up with their kids. So, you know, what it's doing is it's forming connection from dad to dad, you know, so friendships start to be formed. Because ideally, and that was what I said to you about the group that we were managing, ideally you want to get it to the point where it can actually manage without you having to be there. And unfortunately that was why the support group that we were running didn't continue because... If we were unable to go, then the group didn't happen. We didn't want it to be a group where everyone just came together and sat in a circle and actually didn't leave feeling uplifted. Um, they were all, all parents and parenting in some aspects, so it was about giving them the information that they wanted. What that's showing and what we really enjoy doing is actually connecting um, and bringing groups together around an event, um, you know, like International Men's Day. Last year we did, um, we did a quiz night for Movember. So we're trying to make it as wide as we can so that we're supporting men in all ways, be them dads, be them single dads, separated dads, same-sex dads. Really, I think that what we need to do is we need to be open um, now and, and actually looking and saying, how, how, how can we help? You know, what, what do you need? And actually, I think by saying that and putting yourself into that 
that place, we are here, how can we help, what do you mm-hmm. need? Yeah. That's, that's a bigger step forward, really, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's time for a break.
welcome back to Men Talk on Plains FM 96.9. So Shane, you're doing something with young people as well. Yeah, so we developed a, um, a um, organisation called Photo Ewe. Um, so basically through my background as a photographer forever, um, I started um, as an apprentice when I was 17. Um, and I was just talking to you earlier about mentoring, you know, and how important that is. So I worked for a third generation um, family-owned business here in Hawke's Bay. So it was originally owned by my boss at that stage. His grandfather went down through the generations. So, yeah, um, back in the days when you shot rolls of film and used big old clunky cameras in today's technology, you know, quite, quite different. So we started a year ago, and then COVID hit, so we went on the back burner. Um, But we've just been getting some really good feedback and really good opportunities. So we developed a program which is is fluid and it changes. Um, And um, using creativity, basically, as a platform, photography and video, but also bringing aspects of well-being into that, so mindfulness. So we just live in such fast-paced worlds, as we know. You pick up the phone, you say, there's a photo, you take it. But what we're trying to do and working with a younger audience, working with with kids, basically, nine, we went with um, nine to about 14-year-olds, um, and then we're developing a program which is from that age up to around 18 as well. But with the mindfulness, it's really saying, think about things. Um, you think about this photograph that you'd like to take. Where's the light coming from from that? What's the angle that you can use? You know, and actually being really mindful around that, how that's going to look for you instead of just saying, I've taken the photograph, there it is, and I'm moving on to the next one. And I'm my own worst enemy. I mean, you know, when I was shooting, in the days of shooting film, you'd shoot 100 frames on a wedding because that was 10 rolls of film. Yeah. Now I come home from a wedding and I've shot eight, nine hundred, a thousand plus frames because yeah, you can. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're all great photographs. So that, that's, there's your answer there. I've done a bit of photography and I got, I got, I've gotten to the point where I'll come home and they'll have, you know, a thousand photos or yeah. something. And, yeah. and I'll be like, I don't want to sort through those. No. And, and so next time it's like, I, I, I think twice, do I, do I need this picture? Yeah, that's right. Because it takes just as long to actually have to go through and, and produce them, you know, work on them through, um, through software, you know. Um, so, yeah, all those sorts of things. So we had some really good traction um, with it. We're really enjoying it because, again, talking about growing communities um, and supporting, um, supporting groups like we've been doing with, um, with, with men, our, our youth side of it is, a, is a, another, another area that we really enjoy doing, and that's sharing and giving back. With Photo Iwi, um, we've just finished a um, six-week workshop with um, a Hawke's Bay group of 10 here. So we have the cameras. We take the cameras with us. Professional cameras, not just point-and-shoot? Oh, no, just little um, little point-and-shoots. So we're actually really fortunate. Our kit that we take with us um, for community use was donated from the community. So we basically shared out through social media that this is who we are, this is what we're doing. If you've got a camera sitting in your drawer, would you donate it? Yeah, yeah. lots of people have all have those cameras now that they've got a phone, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we had a lot of people that donated cameras. Some of them were not, not great. Some of them were really old, um, but all digital. But we've been able to replace as we go along. 
Because the hardest thing is that when you are lending a camera out and their loan cameras are all different. So I've got 10 right. students. Um, yes. So if I'm working with a group you have of... To, you have to know the details of 10 cameras. Well, the, our kids, our young kids' workshops, we've got the last one we did through the school holidays, we had 18 average 10-year-olds. And the workshop was for two hours and we hold it at the library. So within two hours, you've got to give them all the camera. You've got to show them how to use it, and then you've got to go and take photographs. Wow. You know, and you're trying to teach them all these skills, so it's really full on. But that works really well for that young group because you're in, they're engaged really quickly, and you can sort of give them some some skill as you go. But working with with um, sort of more diverse groups, you're working at a different level, you know. Um, and that that's been so much fun though. This group of ten students talking about connection and friendships in there. I mean, last week was our last session, so we've, we've done alternate sessions through the six weeks out on locations. So we've been to a park, we've been to a beach, we've, we've done um, hours, one hour each session. Um, last week they're saying, we're going to so miss this. We're going to so mm. miss you every Tuesday. And I'm like, actually, you know what, I'm going to really miss it as well because you just yeah. get to, to, it's just knowing people in different circumstances, you know, and that's what is so much fun about, I think, taking photographs as well of people. You're just meeting people, different people all the time, and you can use your camera as your introduction as well. So all those sorts of things with PhotoWeavy, it's about sharing all these skills. It's not all technical um, Mm. because that can just bore people. I know I just get bored with the technical. I mean, I I remember as an apprentice, um, I just decided that I actually want to up my skill and my boss was away on holiday overseas for three weeks. So I grabbed all his gear, which is all the high-end professional stuff out, and I watched him do it enough, and I actually used that three weeks to teach myself how to use his his gear Mm. while he was away. (laughs) Um, Because I just knew that I needed to move up to that next level, really, where I could then start being more than just the apprentice sweeping the floors and holding the bags at a wedding. I actually wanted to be doing doing the work. Um, so I taught myself. So a lot of the skills through PhotoWiwi is from shared and learned experiences um, and just the outcomes through taking photographs is around a sense of um, pride, um, you know, hey, I've created this image. Um, so we've got a whole lot of sort of different outcomes from our workshops, which are really neat as well. So um, working with youth is our next one. Do you... Do you print some of the photos? No, it's all online. Um, we make the files available um, because, again, the other thing is when you're using loan cameras, they, the cameras come back to us, so they actually don't then physically have anything. So, again, online. Um, so we put everything up onto a gallery and then they can be downloaded from the gallery yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because what we're trying to do, again, is create a website as our central hub. So if we can get everyone going to our website, they're then able to see some of the other things that we've got happening as well, which is really cool. Um, and I think that that experience with working, um, you know, around a website as your central point um, is really some of those skills that we're wanting to bring into sort of the work that we're doing with men as well. A lot of people just see a website as a website and you just park it up and there it is. And sometimes somebody might go there. But, you know, again, these are all skills that we bring into PhotoWeWe as well. It's around um, career pathways, around um, media. So being able to upload images to a website, um, put them on the cloud, all those sorts of things are all skills that come from photography, basically, you know. 
Um, but with websites um, in particular, it's actually, you know, um, seeing that as, as that point for your organisation. And for us, for PhotoWeWe, that's our central point of contact for everything that we do, which is really cool. Sounds really good. And it's about having fun as well. You know, it's like I said, we don't get too, at that younger age level, we don't get too hooked up on the technical um, yeah. because you can just, we, we started like that and you just see the kids start to mm. yawn and, you know, it's like, well, actually, they just want to take photographs. So it's mentoring. Again, we're mentoring them. We have a group and we have mm. um, a young student group as well that comes with us um, around Hawke's Bay and they're, they're mentoring the younger the younger kids as well, and just giving them some gentle tips and some advice, but it's definitely never about, um, you know, that's a, you're taking a shocking photo, you need to reshoot that, you know, we're never coming at it like that, it's about them finding and exploring their own creativity. One of the things I say is to be good at something first, you have to be bad at it. Yeah, too right, yeah, exactly. I actually do uh, Kung Fu, I've been doing it for about 10 years, and oh, get cool. a beginner come along, and, and they'll be frustrated that they can't do it, yeah. you know what I say? And I tell them, you know, you have to be bad at it first. Just suck for a month. Yeah. Okay, just be happy with, with sucking for a wee while. Yeah. Um, and, do, and don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's Because that's right. how you get good. Yeah, you've that's got to, right. You've got to be satisfied with the, with the bad stuff yeah, first. Yeah, that's so true. That's good advice there, Ian. Now it's time to ask the, the two questions I ask everyone. Uh, first question, Shane, is what do you like about men? Well, that's... Uh... That's a really tough one, actually. Um, the answer should be easy, but I think that when you ask a question like that, you think back to the men that you know in your life or that you may have grown up with. Um, you know, quite often you um, hear guys say, oh, my dad is and was always my best friend or something like that. Um, I don't have that um, behind me, unfortunately. So what I like about men and the men that I've met really is, um, and those would be through the work that we've been doing here is, um, that sense of, um, sense of friendship. I think, um, you know, the guys that I have got to meet and I don't have a wide circle of, of, um, of male friends, um, in any case. So it's normally around something that we've created with, we've, you know, like the bloke spot, you know, I got to obviously bring a big group of guys together that were working in the sector. And, you know, I think the friendship that developed out of that, so loyalty, I think loyalty is a really big thing that I would think about guys that I've known met, um, you know, that are, that are, um, in my life at the moment. Um, so yeah, it would be friendship and loyalty, I think. And I think that those are really strong factors in, in men as well. And I think that by seeing those in action, um, I think that that's, that's also something that um, everyone can learn and grow from as well. You know, seeing men actually in good friendships, um, you know, in, in and out of our communities, I think that's really cool. And the other question is, if you had a magic wish to make the world a better place, what would you wish for? But you can't wish for more wishes. I think that it would have to be making sure that everyone feels some sense of belonging um, in themselves and a connection and a purpose. Um, I think that's really important because, well, I know it is for me. I know that's what drives me is that I feel that in my work, I mean, I know that we hear that. I always hear you, you're always working, you know, you're always working. But for me, work doesn't necessarily equate to being a job. Work is 
my work is who I am basically, you know, and I get a lot of um, fulfilment from that. It actually gives me, um, it gives me purpose. Um, and those are probably three of the, the driving forces, um, you know, connection, purpose, um, and belonging. If the world was a better place, it would be knowing that everyone had those, had those um, opportunities, really. I think meaning and purpose are overlooked yeah, these days. Yeah. It's in, in, um, if you have a purpose and you're doing meaningful things, then you can um, withstand some of the, the other parts of life because yeah. you know you're doing something meaningful. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and I know that that's a, that's pretty much a big part of of who I am and what I I do. All right, I'm going to stop the recording. I think we've, we've I've, I've I've run out of steam. Thanks for coming along, Shane. Um, it's been really enjoyable, and uh, it's good to hear you're doing some good things up in Hawke's Bay. Yeah, thanks, Ian. It's been really cool to talk. Thanks so much for the opportunity, eh? I can't, I can't, I can't.